Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In this week's episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, we talk about our favorite flavors of ice cream, what's happened with the baseball team since we last recorded the basketball players that were drafted in the NBA draft, and our first look into the 2018 football season. The 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. We are back. Took a two-week break there. Sorry about that, everybody. Unexpected kind of a family emergency. Now, I feel like I, I we need to explain that a little bit, uh, just because there's no warning, obviously, and we didn't give any explanation why we did it. But um, so my birthday was June 9th. Uh, it was the Saturday of the Super Regionals while we were hosting Duke NCAA tournament. Good day. My um, my stepdad and my mom were at an engagement party for uh, my cousin in the Dallas area. He just got engaged. Um, and my, my stepdad's been sick, and he's been in and out of the hospital lately. But um, he actually went into cardiac arrest Saturday night. Um, I ended up flying out to Dallas Sunday morning to kind of spend time with him and, um, you know, support my mom and kind of be there if and when my stepdad was to wake up. Unfortunately, he never did. He ended up having too much brain damage from his cardiac arrest. Uh, obviously, they were able to restart his heart, but he wasn't able to be taken off the machines. And Luckily, he and my mom had already had that discussion that that was not how he wanted to, <laughs> to live. So it wasn't my mom's decision. She was grateful for that. That was his. Um, so we called all the family in, and we, we were with him when he passed. And, um, you know, we're... we're Obviously, we're, we're going to miss him, right? Because he's my my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and my mom would have celebrated their 18th wedding anniversary two days ago. Um, so he, he ended up dying last Friday the 15th. I was I was up at the hospital basically uh, Sunday when I got there. I flew in through Friday when he passed away. So six or seven, whatever that is, six days straight. Um, that week is a blur. Like, it didn't feel like it went very fast and realized... That's all we did that week. We got up, we got dressed, went to the hospital, ate breakfast, lunch, dinner, stayed there till 9.30 or 10, came home, mm-hmm. went to sleep, woke up and did the same thing the next day. Did that for six days in a row. Um, that week went by really fast. <laughs> well, and it'll, it'll wear on you too. You know, it'll go by fast, but like you said, you'll you'll be done with the week and you'll it won't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah. So like I said, um, you know, I'm not quite 30 yet, and he and my mom were, were married for... 18 years so he was uh my dad the greater part of my life my my 
parents, my biological dad and my mom got divorced when I was three. Um, so I spent weekends with him, um, you know, for several years. Then as I got older, we just kind of separated and grew apart and he ended up moving down to the Austin area. So I didn't see him very much after that anyways. But, um, you know, he was, my stepdad was more my dad than my, my biological dad. So, you know, obviously it was, it was hard to let him go, but that was not our decision. It wasn't a decision to be made really. Um, the, the physician actually said he probably actually died on Saturday when right. he went into cardiac arrest and um, through the advances of, of modern medicine, they were able to restart his heart and everything, but um, just wasn't going to recover from that. And we're, we're okay with that. We're at peace um, knowing that he's not in, in pain or not suffering or anything. So that's why we were gone for two weeks. Um, I'm at, we're actually going back to Dallas tomorrow night. Uh, the funeral service will be on Friday. Um, be back on Monday, so probably not miss another week of the podcast. I don't know because next week's a holiday. We'll need to figure that out. But <laughs> yeah, but that's why I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update of why we were gone for two weeks. Um, you know, family things happen, and Michael was gracious enough to say, "Don't worry about the podcast, man. Go be with your family." <laughs> yeah, I uh, I really. Um... You know, I really extended the longest of olive branches on that. Um, but I, I, I think mean, probably the biggest thing is he didn't want to do the podcast by himself. <laughs> no, there's no way that y'all would y'all would hate it. It would just be me talking about uh, what I ate that week. It'd be like a food diary. And that would be all it would be. Um, Spencer, glad to have you back. Uh, I know that's tough. I know it's got to be really tough for all of this to happen in such a short time. And uh, I was really thinking about you while you're gone. But appreciate it. Glad you're back. Um, and, Lots of things um, have happened since I left. Yeah, there's been a lot of been a lot of things going on. Maybe you, you know, caught some of it on the old Twitter or the on the Twitter. Yes, on the on the handheld device. Um, well, I think yeah. one of the biggest things that happened was um, summer started. Right, the official oh. the first day of summer was a couple days ago. With a vengeance, my gosh, we went to a thing on Sunday, and my truck said that it was 109 and I thought oh that's ridiculous but check the weather and it wasn't ridiculous yeah it was like 106 was the official (laughs) temp I thought okay well I I guess that's not too far off um but yeah it's it's here man yesterday was a weird random cool day but it was really nice I I was telling Samantha I was like if we can figure out how to get a summer where the highs only get to 90 yeah we've done something right 90 with some cloud cover it was it was weird and then of course today was back to 100 degrees and dumb me i was out in the yard working today which we'll talk about later in our everybody's favorite segment going yard i know i've actually got something to contribute to the going yard segment this this <laughs> uh this week but um now that it's it's officially summer everybody um you know there's there's a a, a favorite treat to to cool everybody off in the summer everybody I, I don't think it's just a summer treat but uh we're talking about ice cream um, yes. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before in terms of like favorite flavors or anything, but I kind of don't think we have. We probably I, it's it's not something that we can't repeat, anyways. Yeah, I'm sure everyone would would enjoy talking ice cream when it's so, 103. What what's what's your favorite ice cream, Michael? Okay, I've got I've got I've got to give you two answers. Um, the reason I thought of I thought this might be a good thing to to mention was because. Um, I finally tried Bluebell's. Well, not finally. It's not that new or that old. 
but they have the chocolate peanut butter cookie dough ice cream. That's their mm-hmm. one of their newer ones. And I bought it on Saturday, and um, I have enough for one more small bowl. Today <laughs> is Tuesday. So that one's probably... by quickly. Yeah, that one's pretty high on the list. And I was surprised by that because I'm not a huge cookie dough ice cream person. But I think the fact that it was like... It's basically peanut butter ice cream with bits of chocolate in it and then the pieces of cookie dough in it. And it's just wonderful. Like usually when I would eat a bowl, I would get seconds. And I don't know if I've ever really done that. <laughs> so all that to say, it's probably up there. But my favorite is... An extremely bland one to most people, and they don't get it, but cherry vanilla. Bluebell's cherry vanilla. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates in Northbrook, Illinois. Vanilla is my favorite ice cream. Okay. That's all it is. It's <laughs> vanilla with maraschino cherries in it. And it's simple and perfect and great. That's it. Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I, it's not bad. I don't. Yeah, you're okay with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> that's that's better. Th- that's a better reaction than I get from a lot of people. They're like cherry vanilla. Ooh, and my wife doesn't even it's like better than just vanilla. Cherries. Well, I do like vanilla. I like like the the homemade or the home style or vanilla bean or the ones that have a little more Punch substance to, to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the. Yeah, Allison, she's not even into the maraschino cherries at all, so she doesn't... And she doesn't like vanilla that much either, so she's completely baffled by my favorite ice cream. Nice. So I'm not much of an ice cream person. Um, I will eat it if Samantha fixes a bowl for us. Yeah. <laughs> I won't turn it down. I will eat anything if someone fixes a bowl for me. But I'm not I'm not going to go out of my way to like pick out something special at the store or go through the effort of... Of you know, dishing up a bowl for myself. But what we've been doing lately, uh, when we get ice cream, we've been going back and forth, and we usually get the uh, Walmart Great Value brand. Um, but it's we've been going back and forth between like fudge tracks and peanut butter tracks. Oh, any sort of track. Yeah, I'm 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 on board with the track. Yeah, so Blue the, Bunny the, makes something. All, everybody has something. Yeah, it's it started with uh, moose tracks and grasshopper yeah. tracks, or whatever. Yep. And then everybody started expanding it. But the one that we get, like I said, fudge tracks. It's a chocolate ice cream, has a fudge ribbon in it. So like, I figured out how to get a ribbon of fudge in the ice cream, and then peanut butter cups, like little mini Reese's cups in it. Um, yeah. And then the peanut butter tracks is a basically a peanut butter version of it. It's peanut butter flavored ice cream, with a peanut butter ribbon chocolate shavings almost like like little chips almost but not like like a like the chip that you would consider like in a chocolate chip cookie 
and then peanut butter cups. Okay, what was that one called again? Because you're going to think I'm lying, but I'm writing this down. Peanut butter cups. Or no, peanut butter tracks. Peanut butter tracks. And it's at Walmart? Yeah. It, I'm you know, serious. I, that I think, sounds amazing. I think Walmart actually went into, started using like, trying to be clever and started using clever names like Ben and Jerry's, but... Um, let me see. We're gonna type, and you're all gonna hear us banging on the keyboards. But uh, we're, we're, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten some good ice creams from, uh, you know, Walmart or wherever. I, I am no ice cream snob by any means. Um, okay, so the I, Blue Bunny's been good. So, you know, especially when uh, Blue Bell did their thing, we we would do. We'd have some Blue Money. We'd had some Tillamook, and it was it was all right. Um, but man, that sounds great because it's. I'm not crazy about chocolate ice cream. I can kind of do without chocolate ice cream, but peanut butter. I'm not ice a big cream. chocolate fan. Me neither. But, I mean, it's it's okay. I like it fine, but because uh, I, I think that was a topic we had. If we could only save chocolate or cheese, what would we save? Oh, cheese, cheese obviously. hands down. Well, and there was another one where it was like, um, I think it was foods that foods that most people like that you know that we don't really care for, and mine was mint chocolate chip ice cream. I, I have yeah. no use for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the the actual names of these flavors, it's peanut butter, B U T T A. Oh boy. Tracks. And then ah fudge tracks. Okay. Those peanut two. butter. Butter. And then ah fudge tracks. Okay. Anyways. All right, the other thing that we've missed since our last recording, baseball season has ended. Like I said, last time I was um before we recorded, sorry. After our last recording, we had just finished the regionals, where Tech advanced. Um, it may have been, yes, it was. We had already found out that Tech was going to host the super regional against Duke. Yes, and I think it was we that were. day. It was either that day or the day after. Yeah. So, think back to <laughs> the day we found out we were going to host Duke in the super regional, and be like, man, that's that's last time the twenty-three personnel podcast graced us with their presence. I know everyone's probably reminiscing about all the all the things they've done since then and how they wish they could have told us all about it and how we would have talked about it man just everybody's wondering our opinions on all these things yeah so obviously tech advanced from super regionals end up beating duke uh two games to one in that three game series um had a head scratcher there at the second game same kind of thing happened in Oklahoma City and in Omaha second game you just get blown out you're like what's going on mm-hmm. um, we're not we're not gonna talk about Omaha yet um, so Super Regionals you, you did pretty well you advanced a lot of fun I went to uh, one of those games well the it night started was on your a birthday Saturday. right it started on a Saturday yeah went so to that if, game yeah and then I left the next morning to go to Dallas. I watched the other two games in Dallas. Um, super fun, super regional. <laughs> um, so Tech makes it to Omaha the third time in five years. Seems like every every odd year, or no, sorry, every even year they make it. You know, they went 14, 16, now 18. You get to Omaha, you do really well the first game. You take down the number one seed, Florida. Um with one you of the dealt, best pitchers in the nation. Yeah, you you kind of you stood your ground. You outlasted him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know he was he was dominant through the first five 
ish innings, and then he got got to face Cameron Warren, one at bat, and he went 14 pitches at that at bat, and then just everything fell apart. So, way to go, Cameron Warren. Yep. Even though your at bat ended with like a soft line out, <laughs> after that you kind of you, you broke him down. Um, your next game was against Arkansas. Yes. Yes. Got blown out against Arkansas. Uh, it happens. They were super hot. Um, well, we didn't do too well against them earlier in the year. Yeah, anyway. and that was a midweek series. Um, Second game got canceled. Well, they canceled because the rain. They're like, we've already got our one win. Let's not put it in jeopardy. <laughs> oh, that's true. It was only five to one loss on that game. But, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at the first of the year or in the middle of the year, but yeah. And you can take a little bit away from that saying, you know, Arkansas is now playing for the national championship. You know, I think the first game for that series started tonight. They got delayed. Um, so you lose them. <laughs> Wait not, a minute. Not the end of the world. It got <laughs> delayed? Yeah, the, the first game was supposed to be last night. And it well, got rained crazy. out. that's crazy. That's crazy. I can't believe it. Because everything in, in baseball this season is getting <laughs> stretched out. I mean, Omaha has just been a tropical storm, basically, for the last two weeks. Yeah, man. It was like every other, every day there was some kind of weather delay, weather related delay, and there was a tech game that got delayed that t- took away would have been a day of rest had you won the Florida game, um, the second Florida game. You played them, end up losing. That was a frustrating game. <laughs> yes, it was. In that you, um, you gave up some runs early. You got down kind of big, and then you clawed back like. Seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, like you were putting a bunch of no seventh and eighth, you put three runs each, and that inning, ninth inning, you went kind of quietly, but you end up leaving the bases loaded three different times in that game. So yep. nine time, like nine innings, you go to bat. Obviously, three of them you end with the bases juiced. So your timely hitting that you've been able to count on all season kind of petered out there. It happens because Florida. While you did beat them the first time, still a number one seed, still a great, talented baseball team. They had several first-round draft picks on their team. It happens. Not that I'm, like, justifying or writing it off, but any season that ends in Omaha was a great season, especially when you consider Tech was projected to compete for a national championship and then lost four of its projected top pitchers before they even did anything. They lost, you know, Stephen Gingery, Erickson Lanning, um, Parker, I think is his first name, Parker McDonald, and then Clayton Beater. So four pitchers that you were heavily going to count on this year. They're all gone. Gingery's the only one that pitched for you, and he pitched 19 pitches. He threw 19 pitches. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of expected, you know, you're you're disappointed there, and you're kind of like, well, We'll see what we can do this year. There was a time there towards the later part of the middle part of the season where you're like, you know, I don't think this team can make it. End up, you know, getting to the the regional. You do really well there. Um, super regional. You continue that hot streak. You're like, wow, okay, we battled through it. We made it back to Omaha. This is amazing. And, you know, everybody's season ends, like, of the, of the eight teams that go to Omaha, all eight of them end their season there, right? Yep. And only one, one team <laughs> – ends on a win so you were I think the third team eliminated so you weren't the first team I think you ended up like in the fifth you were the fifth team standing um, 
if you want to go into that, but like when you consider some of the other spring sports, basketball included, you had a handful of sports finish their season and their respective top eights. Just an unbelievable spring sports season all the way around. Um, back to baseball, you had lots of guys drafted. Uh, they've all kind of slowly been announced. I say slowly. I think yesterday you had like three or four of them announced all at once. They were gone. Well, you had guys like seniors saying thank you, but um, I think the only guys you're waiting on now to announce if they're going to go to the draft at this point, or sorry, to accept their offers from the draft are Davis Martin and Caleb Killian. Surprisingly, everybody else was either a junior and has accepted or is a senior and they were going to be gone anyways. Yeah. Um, it's a long list of guys. Um, Labar had a great post. If y'all haven't been to stake in the plains uh, in the last couple of days, but on Tuesday he had a really good post kind of wrapping up the baseball season and kind of outlining what Spencer was just talking about and just the names of the guys that will no longer be on the team in one form or another. You've got Grant Little, Gingry, Shedder, Kazada, Martin, Harpinall, Killian, Farhat, Davis, Dushek, Reams, Lopez, and Mason Montgomery. So that's uh, there's a lot of those names that were pretty instrumental in getting these guys where they did this year. And seeing them, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer, but this is the first year they've won in Omaha, right? They, they This well, is the first the, time they won a game. No, it's the second time. Like in 2016, they, they beat Florida. Okay. But it was their second game. Okay, this is the so first it's the first time, time they won, they won their, their first. Gotcha. So winning the first game in these double elimination brackets is huge. Yes. It sets you up like, okay, now you have to get beaten twice in a row, and you did. But much better position than to lose a first game and then have to be fighting back the whole time. Yeah. Um, Just one only game team away. That, only team that was able to come like overcome a loss in the double elimination was Oregon State, and they've been in the top two, three all season. Florida couldn't. Um, they ended up getting beat by Arkansas, who was 2 or 3-0. and I can't remember. I think it's three zero. Um, I think the I, I saw a stat. I think it said on ESPN thirty four of the last thirty seven teams to win the World Series won the first game. So it's pretty important to win that first game, and that was which means, so that was really nice to see when we did it. Yeah, which means you, Arkansas was the team that won the first game between the two teams that are playing for a national championship now. Yep. <laughs> you would think they've got a pretty good shot. Obviously, winning this first game is going to be huge because in Omaha, you've got two four-team brackets for a double elimination, and then they play a best-of-three series. So they start the three games tonight. You win the first game, obviously, you just need one more. Um, wish Texas Tech was in that position, still playing, but not going to be too disappointed finishing the season in Omaha. Just wish you're... Uh, your offense had stayed hot. That's a really defense and pitcher-friendly ballpark. Balls don't really travel that well. Um, the corners in the right and left field corners are considerably deeper than they are in Lubbock. So a lot of home runs that you had over those in Lubbock were falling into the right and left fielder's mitts yeah. in Omaha. It happens. Um after that, or I guess in the, in the middle of that, the NBA draft happened. Texas yeah. Tech had their first one and done. 
You want to tell us about that, Michael? Yeah, uh, Zaire Smith, he was charted to go all sorts of places. Um, no one really knew where he was going to end up. And um, he ended up getting picked 16th by Phoenix. And then I think immediately almost traded to the Sixers. And I'm not sure what Phoenix gave up. I don't care because Phoenix is terrible. But the Sixers, that could be a really great fit for Smith. Um, he's got some some good guys out there that he can he can learn from. There, you know, the process of course is there. Uh, so if he ever gets any in any sort of Instagram that, or Twitter it, beef, the process that, will shut that, it down. Is that Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? That's Embiid. Embiid is definitely the process. <laughs> and then Simmons is there. Uh, I think it was JJ the rookie of the year and his second year in the league. Yeah, because he didn't get to play his first, being injured. That's stupid. It's red shirt. He just just red. He was a red shirt rookie. Um, but I, I, I think uh, I didn't read any of it because I didn't want to. But apparently, a lot of the Sixers fans were really upset about it and they didn't think it was a good pick. Uh, well, because I think they'll be they proven the wrong. Guy that, I, didn't they want the guy that the Sixers originally like they drafted and then traded? I don't even know. I just it was read, guy you know, that was, wanted to be with his mom. They were like, "You won't be with his mom." I was like, "Okay, first off, he's a professional basketball player for the NBA. If his mom wants to be at a game, I'm sure he can afford it." <laughs> yeah, Not he can get him there. there. And Zaire Smith, I don't know if you saw this too. Uh, I think Dan and a couple other guys kind of connected the dots on Twitter before some other people did that he is signing with Puma Shoes. Which is interesting, and the and the reason I think that that got all brought about was because uh, Jay Z is I think president of basketball operations or whatever you want to call it at Puma, and Jay Z's talent agency is who represents Zaire Smith. So kind of got a built-in shoe deal there. Yeah, we're gonna have us. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna get us some some Z's, some uh, Zaire Smith Pumas uh, coming in the next. I guess year. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure so, when they'd come out. I'm I'm sorry, Zaire Smith. I'm not a tennis shoe guy. I don't wear tennis shoes. Last pair of tennis shoes I purchased um, six years ago, maybe. <laughs> I still have them, and they're actually really they're really neat. They were like um, a mesh bodied Under Armour kind of athletic shoe. Yeah, yeah. Except with them being mesh and kind of thin, they've kind of like torn up, and they're just about to fall apart. But they were really breathable, and they felt yeah. good when the wind would yeah, blow through. And um, I wear either dress shoes for work, boots, or Sanooks, which are little canvas slip-on shoes. Yeah, I feel like we. You might. I don't know if you're in on this, but we talked about this quite a bit in our Slack chat, uh, and that's me too. Like I, I will make a pair of tennis shoes last four, or five years. It's no big deal. Because I wear either either uh, dress shoes or boots to work, and by dress shoes I wear a comfy pair of Skechers. That's that's how cool I am. I go with I go with I've got like three pair of Skechers now. One of them are actually tennis shoes, but but yeah, I mean if we're talking basketball shoes, gosh, I was telling them I don't think I've bought basketball shoes since I was in middle school because once I got to high school they would give them to you if you made the team. And so I don't, I don't think I ever bought any beyond that. And they are so foreign looking to me now. I think I would look like the biggest dweeb 
35 year old man trying to wear these basketball shoes around just to go get a burger from they're inside foreign, the place <laughs> and because i have so little exposure to them they like to me this is gonna sound bad to me they all look so similar and i yeah. don't understand paying 300 dollars for a pair of tennis shoes now dress shoes or boots that have like really nice leather and stuff i can understand that but like jordans they're like pleather yeah you've just got to you <laughs> i don't, when, I, don't get, I, I just don't when get. i look at tennis shoes because uh probably the oldest pair of tennis shoes i have right now is it's probably ten, they're probably 10 years old and i use them to mow in and that's that's kind of my that's kind of my filter when i buy tennis shoes every three years or whatever I'm like can i see myself mowing in them in a decade <laughs> is this gonna be am i gonna hate myself that i spent 197 dollars for this pair of shoes that i will no doubt eventually graduate to just mowing and weed eating and you know whatever random thing if i need to take the trash out and it's been raining and it's muddy all right i go grab my 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 LeBrons and go to the the alley. Can I live with that? I'm like, yeah, I can live with that with all these. Shoes I'm sure, I buy. people that are like shoe people are cringing. Oh, I know, I know. I'm I the think, same way though. I think Dan's a shoe person. He's probably listening to this. Like, gosh, you guys have no 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 sense of style or anything. And I I mean, I admit it. I don't. Uh, luckily, I live in Texas, and cowboy boots are are pretty normal, and you can get them resold, and they'll last forever. So, yep. Um, that's that was, that's that's been uh, that's been an interesting development. We may be faced with trying to buy some Pumas later. Yeah, I was gonna say that was an interesting um, tangent we went on there talking yeah. about basketball players <laughs> going to being drafted. Um, so Keenan Evans and Zach Smith were both both picked up. Um, I guess in the like the NBA equivalency of like a undrafted free agent. I couldn't tell I you what. Yeah, I don't even. I don't. I think it was past the. Evans might have gotten picked in one of the late rounds, but I couldn't tell you. I, I should have looked that up. But Evans, and Zach is, Smith are both on a team. Yep, they're right. on summer teams. Keenan Evans with with Golden State. Uh, Zach Smith is with uh, the Hawks in Atlanta, playing professional basketball here in America for the NBA. Yep, great deal. Like again, when you think about the beginning of the season, did you think you'd have three players from your team end up in the NBA? Probably no. not. And did you think you're gonna have? 11 baseball players drafted? Probably oh not. <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's been a good spring. It's been a spring, late summer. Yep. And unfortunately, because of all that success and now all those teams have now ended their seasons, next one on deck is football. So everybody's attention is going to turn to that. Womp. Womp. <laughs> of course, that's where we're, we're headed now. Um, couldn't tell. We're super pumped about this 2018 season. There's so much uncertainty. It's it's so <laughs> nerve wracking. So let's let's start with a couple of, of good things, I guess. You you picked up some transfers. Um, an Oregon State receiver slash quarterback. Uh, he'll, he'll play receiver for you. Um, and then a defensive tackle from Rice. Both committed to you. Both made it on campus. Are on the spring roster that was released yesterday or today. So that's good news. Um, yep. You know, after losing all that production at receiver, um, since our last podcast, you've lost a starting receiver. Quan Shorts was kicked off the team, and then he announced he was he got his release. So it's like, I don't know if he like 
they allowed him to make that statement to kind of better the situation publicly. A little PR twist there, but yeah, maybe one of those. You know, instead of instead of being fired, you were you resigned forcefully. Which is interesting because like Don Williams was like, Quan Shorts kicked off the team. <laughs> yeah, there was no ifs, ands, or buts. It was completely that's what it was, and it was pretty immediate. I, I think I almost saw some. I feel like, depending on when you scrolled through Twitter, when all that happened, when he got arrested and stuff, that um, I think I saw some tweets the exact same in the same news feed that uh, Quan Shorts kicked off the team. Quan Shorts arrested. You know, they were like they were backwards yeah. because it just all was that fast. I think Kingsbury must have told somebody pretty quickly that that was it. Well, the thing was, he was involved in that. Um that nightclub incident earlier this this year. Yep. Um, he was probably was given that like you've got one more strike type thing. Super short leash, I'd imagine. Yeah. And then same off season gets arrested for possession or whatever it was. I don't, I don't know. Don't really care. Yeah, he was. Back, but you know, you, you don't want to. Okay, he broke the rules. Uh, we can broke debate the law. on. Yeah, and broke the law, and we can debate on whether that law, and <laughs> whether that law is worth enforcing. Uh, I'm leaning against no, but that doesn't change the facts that he did, and either he got ratted out or somebody, um, you know, somebody was concerned. But you know, if you get arrested, at what what was it? It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. For, yeah, it was like <laughs> with what were you doing in your own apartment? I think I think he was in his own apartment. I mean. He's not hurting anybody, but I I get it. I you've got to you've got to be conscious of of what that kind of thing can cost you when you're a D1 athlete, whether it's truly fair in the scheme of things or not. So yeah, I I, I would say this kind of reflects back on on Kingsbury and his um, reputation for no nonsense and kind of trying to do everything the right way, for better or worse. You know, you've heard that a lot since he started that he was going to do this the right way there were some kind of questionable things with like now I'm blanking on him but there were some like why is he still here but then you get a, a situation like this oh with um Jet Duffy oh yeah yeah well that when he was cleared by the the school yeah. I think that was Kingsbury's stance on that originally that he was going to let the school do the investigation and depending on what they found he was going to side with them or you know Right. Um, and then you get this, where, you know, he allowed him to stay on after the spring incident, the early spring incident. Um, yeah. Probably said, that was your last shot. If you do anything else, you're gone. He gets arrested and, and you know, obviously very quickly was removed from the team. Yeah, very immediately. So, uh, gives a guy like Seth Collins, the Oregon State transfer, just that much more opportunity to make a name for himself here in, in Lubbock. Other guys kind of get bumped up. Um, the depth chart, you know, Antoine Wesley was probably going to uh, be competing on that side. Um, and Seth Collins, you know, like I said, just that much more op- opportunity to make a name for himself. The other thing, like we've kind of mentioned, the... Um, updated spring roster or summer roster I guess was released today this afternoon um, and I want to kind of go through it really quickly uh, and look at some interesting things and first impressions now 
I wasn't tracking like heights and weights from the previous roster, so I'm not going to be like, this guy is now like five pounds heavier. I always take these with a grain of salt anyway. Well, there was one that stood out to me, and we'll get to that later, but the biggest thing, the ones that stood out to me, were some of the guys that had some new numbers, um, just to kind of keep you thinking, next time you see him, he will not be wearing what you're used to him seeing. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) He will not be wearing what you're used to seeing him wear. Perfect. I think that was right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But something else I saw that I thought was interesting, I, I actually saw it on Twitter, I didn't actually notice it, but there were two guys that after spring football had ended, announced they were going to be transferring from the program. Um, DeMarcus Felton, running back, and Braden Stringer as a linebacker are both still listed on the most current roster. So no announcements have been made about them rescinding (laughs) that transfer, or maybe they were told they, you know... You're not going to play. It's best if you move on and something else has changed, uh, whether it was academics or whatever. Like I said, the roster roster that was released today, June 26th, 2018, they are both listed um, two months after they announced they were transferring. So that's that's first thing that I thought was really interesting. Yep. Um, new numbers. Um, Demarcus Felton, if this is still true, will be wearing number two this year. Instead of twenty-seven, hooray! New numbers. <laughs> I, I, it's got to be connected, right? Does that somehow have to be connected? I almost no. I don't think so. Th- do you? Do you? <laughs> when you when you declare on Twitter that you're, you know, you're leaving the team, do you relinquish your number and some other guy calls dibs and then? Well, here's the thing: nobody else has twenty-seven, and you oh. would think if you're going to relinquish your number, you're like as a running back, you're like, okay, I'll take forty-three or something yeah. like random, like roll. Yeah. Hi, he went to number two. Like those single-digit uh, jersey numbers are probably pretty sought after since it seems like every number has, has a duplicate. There's like two number ones, two number twos, two number threes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. So moving up to number two is like, well, um, that's like I said, a coveted jersey number. You would think if he's not going to be here, they wouldn't have given that to him. So uh, other things, Douglas Coleman, the defensive back. Now going to be wearing number three, as well as Xavier Martin, their wide receiver. Antoine Wesley changed from 22 to four. Cool. Man, <laughs> I, these, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm now like, these single-digit numbers are important. I'm, I'm going through these. I'm like, why did I feel this was important this afternoon? <laughs> the other one, uh, Rico Jeffers moved, the linebacker moved from 11 to six. So you'll have two single-digit linebackers, uh, Rico Jeffers, number six, uh, Jordan Brooks is number one. And then, of course, Dakota Allen's still 40. And then two other guys I thought were interesting. Uh, running back, freshman running backs, Tajon Henry's 26, Sir Roderick Thompson, 28. That's how I know that nobody has 27, because those two are right next to each other on the roster. Yep. Confirmed. Um, <laughs> yep. Other things worth noting, there are currently six quarterbacks listed on the roster. That's... Two more than what we knew of after spring ball, so they've added two more guys. I couldn't tell you where they're from. I know one's like a upperclassman too, so he wasn't like a freshman walk-on. Um, there are four fullbacks on the roster. Four? There it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Like what, what actually, we have last like year too. 
Maybe? Dedicated people with their name with the word fullback next to them. Oh, okay. I got to look this up. It's, okay, so one of them's Mason Reed. Uh, yeah, of course. He's not really a fullback. He's kind of a bigger running back. But they, he was used as a fullback a lot last year, right? Until, until yep. he got. Did he get a concussion? Uh, yeah, it was like early on. Yeah, he got hurt pretty early on. Because he, he had that one, um, one touchdown. Mm hmm. So let's kind of scroll through this really quickly. Okay. Fullback. This is so great. Yeah, that that gives me that gives me a little glimmer of hope. We might see some. And who knows? That may have been. Yeah. So, Mason Reed is fullback. Yep. Um, Connor Killian. Connor Killian, brother of Caleb Killian. Yep. Um, Tyler Carr. My goodness. Tyler Carr. He's a big boy. Six four two sixty. That's the kind of size I want to see, with the fullback running people goodness. over. And then Henry Howard. Um, six foot two ten. I don't know if that's really going to be a fullback position or more like a, um, you know, if Mason Reed has a backup, that's where he's going because Mason Reed lists at six two two twenty five, whereas Killian is I was just there. He's six two two thirty five, and then Tyler Carr six four two two sixty. My goodness. So if we're going to be running some some fullback, I want to run behind Tyler Carr for sure. Yeah, dibs, dibs on Carr. And then the only other thing I wanted to point out, um, Lonzel Gilmore, he registered last year, came out of high school, I think from Longview or somewhere in East Texas, kind of projected as like a defensive end. Um, I think he was like 6'2", 6'3", like 220. We're like, that's kind of small for the defensive line, but we'll kind of deal with it. Coming off his registered year, he's listed at 6'3", 280. <laughs> that's not a typo. <laughs> I, I can't. I don't think so. It wouldn't be 208. <laughs> no, yeah, you wouldn't do that. Pounds. So, dude's put some weight on. I would assume he's not going to be playing defensive end unless he's going to be the strong side defensive end and not the rush end. Because guys that are on the rush end would be like um, Tony Jones, and he's first listed as a linebacker. Second, he's 6'2", 225, not 6'3", 280. That's a big That's boy. His- there was there's an offensive lineman that's six three two eighty. Yeah, there's some big guys on that offensive line and, and defensive line too. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, even six three two eighty is not like a huge offensive lineman, but so like you know, the, that that's a pretty dang big defensive end. <laughs> the the transfer defensive tackle from Rice, Preston Gordon, six one two eighty. Like I remember seeing how big he looked on film. Lonzel Gilmore is as heavy as he is but two inches taller. So he's going to look a little bit thinner and leaner because he's two inches taller. And dude, like if you go and look at the pictures in the roster, like, okay, there's three defensive tackles listed right around the same weight. Uh, Roderick Washington's 305. Joseph Wallace is 315. Nick McCann is 310. Mm-hmm. Roderick Washington doesn't look like he could be 300 pounds. Like he's got like, a fairly thin face. Nick McCann's got more of a fuller face. Like I, I, I could probably see three ten. Joseph Wallace looks like he's got a bowling ball on top of his shoulders. <laughs> There's no way that three fifteen is accurate. Like it's got to be north of that. <laughs> Maybe they just are like, oh, well, everyone else is three fifteen. We'll just put that in there too. Yeah, I don't Why know. Not? <laughs> the you got a defensive tackle, defensive lineman, a freshman, Jalen Hutchings came in at six foot two ninety five. It's pretty considerable size for a freshman. Mm-hmm. Lonzel Gilmore, 6'3", 280. Um, 
Noah Jones was a, a defensive end, 6'3", 260. Nelson Mbonasor, who's redshirted last year, 6'3", 280. Um, Houston Miller, 6'4", 265. And if you saw that workout video where he was benching, not benching, squatting like 570 pounds. Oh, gosh, no. That 265 is probably on the low end for him. He looked like a – I don't know, dude. He's just stacked. Just a large human being. I'm trying to uh, – I'm trying to remember – yeah. Okay. So since we're talking heights and weights, we can't we can't do it without talking about Trevor Robertson, who just committed, me. who just committed oh, to Tech, yes. who <laughs> as an offensive tackle at, at like sitting down, sixteen years old or whatever. Because he's he's a junior, isn't he? Or he yeah, will be a junior? Well, yeah. He's let's see. Let's no, no, he, he will be a senior. That's what it no, is. No, he's a twenty he's a twenty nineteen recruit, so he will be a senior. Yeah, he'll be a senior this year. From Wellington. He's he's three sixty, which is a whopping a, number of in its own, but then the other number the next on to the roster. is six eleven. <laughs> and and you know, if you if you've got a guy that's six eleven, three sixty at, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old, who's to say he's not gonna be seven foot three eighty when he gets here? I don't know. I have no idea, um, but he had a lot of interest, a lot of offers. Uh, of course, you know, kids can change their mind. There's no telling what could happen between now and and next fall, fall 2019. <laughs> but man, what a what an eye popping bit of info to see when that comes across on Twitter. Yeah, we got a six eleven three sixty offensive tackle. My God. <laughs> so, just for reference, what was what you said is three sixty. Yeah, yeah, 6'11", 360. The largest person listed on the current roster in terms of weight is there's a couple of them tied at 320 pounds. So he's yeah. 40 pounds heavier. Now, it's probably not like very good weight. He's probably kind of flabby as a you know high school student that doesn't have the nutrition program that colleges do. Yeah. You'd expect you know. he'd probably drop a little bit of weight once he gets here, but at 6'11", Maybe not much. He may not. I mean, it also because like, is that too big to play offensive? Like at six eleven, you're gonna be standing like almost straight up and down, going against somebody that's ten inches shorter than you. Like I get your wingspan, you'll be able to like cover like three gaps. Yeah. As I wave my arms in the camera that nobody can see. No, it's great. It was a good visual. Y'all, y'all missed it. <laughs> um. But like, if somebody's coming straight at you, like I, I guess you can put, put your hand out on their head and just like let them swing at you. Like yeah, you can do that brother. thing like you do in the cartoons. And I, I feel like I mean, he, I'm sure he'll be able to handle himself. I, I just think we've got to call some offensive plays for him at some point. There has to be some, some, you know, he's an eligible receiver on some crazy goal line package, oh, and he's what, just what in the corner of the end zone. That guy for Baylor, and I hate to bring up Baylor, but that really Laquan McGowan. Oh yeah, huge the huge up, guy, and you knew it was going to him, and he's he still got it anyway. <laughs> yeah, dude was he was listed as a tight end. Um, let's see, what was his official height and weight? Six seven four ten. Oh man, I forgot so, he was in the fours. Yeah, he was know, a he was a bulldozer. Your guy's gonna be. Four inches taller than him and pushing four bills <laughs> as a 
freshman. There's just got to be some package for him. He's just, he's just needs, I need to see this man catch a ball in the end zone. I need to see it happen. I was actually really impressed with the play we ran for Travis Bruffy in the Oklahoma State game where he lined up as a tight end and caught that touchdown or extra or two point conversion, whatever it was. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Except now, now he's a left tackle, so you can't. So this was two years ago. Yeah. When, when Ruffy was a true freshman, he was a little thinner, looked more like a tight end. Besides his knee braces, the double <laughs> knee braces, like the dead giveaway. That's an offensive lineman. That's kind of a giveaway. <laughs> but okay, speaking of offensive plays, looking looking forward to the 2018 season. The Bill Connolly. Um, prediction projection post came out he does this he does every team i don't know how he has time to do it but he does every team in the fbs level 128 teams um i guess right off the top based on his projection this is also the guy that does the s&p program he's the one that launched that and started the advanced metrics for college football um i guess right off the top he's got tech projected to win the projected wins at 5.9 which I've heard a lot of people kind of hanging around that six-win mark, and uh, combined S and P plus rating for the entire team for forty-seven. Initial thoughts go. Okay, I think he's he's pretty much spot on with kind of how we feel. Uh, I think he's his numbers show to even be a little more optimistic than we think, especially on the kind defensive of. side. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, but I, I do. Um, I think it's, it's realistic. He does a really nice job. You know, you read you read this and you think, okay, this isn't just some guy, in, um, Canton or whatever. Or you know, where the, where where the heck is ESPN? It's not Canton. Bristol, um, Bristol, There's, Connecticut. Yeah, it's yeah. not just some guy in Bristol that's never watched. You know, hasn't watched a Tech game since Leach was here. You know, you, you get a good a good feel that he actually really kind of knows what he's talking about. Um, I think one of the things I liked the most was, and I didn't realize this myself, but he pointed out how terrible the field goal, which we'll get to, kicking was. Don't okay. spoil that yet. All right, I won't spoil <laughs> that yet. Uh, he had a great stat uh, that that is probably the same one that caught your eye. And then the other thing that I liked, and I, I, I'm doing a really great job of not finding it. But I think he had a margin of, you know, he, he predicted all the games mm-hmm. versus his S&P rankings, and he had a the mar- average margin of uh, win or loss was uh, practically a touchdown on a lot of these games. Yeah, so seven of the, of the 12 games, just really quickly, are within one touchdown. Yeah. Within seven points, you've got... Um, Two more that are right around the 10-point range. You've got a 13, a 14, and then a 50, but that's you plus 50, not minus 50. So your biggest um, projection would actually be, you know, like in conference play, would be you plus 15 over Kansas. Your largest deficit in conference would be minus 13 at Oklahoma, which is, you know, if you lose by 13 to Oklahoma, sucks, but I mean... <laughs> It could be worse. <laughs> it's one of those years where, like, you could be losing and winning a lot of really close games. Yeah, uh, and that's that's just kind of how it's felt the last few years. And 
which is probably why it's so hard for everybody to get a feel for how this team will do because everything is going to be so close. Yeah. So um, he projects the offense to take kind of a considerable step back, and I think that's kind of what everybody's feeling with not sure who the quarterback's going to be. Lots of offensive production at receiver and running back are gone. Um, your offensive line is there, so that returning, that should help kind of steady things while those other pieces get figured out. He's projected the offensive S&P ranking to drop to 63, which is middle of the pack in terms of like everybody in the nation. Yeah, um, and which I think is it really would be... surprising when you think about like Texas Tech having a offense ranked in the 60s. Now this is yeah. this is not like total offense where Texas can get credit for a lot of yards, but he he you know obviously factors in stuff like success rates and efficiency and all that kind of stuff. He thinks you'll be right there, right around the, the midway point. Um, not super encouraging, but we kind of understood that going in because you're not sure what you have. So 60, it's going to be kind of hard. It'll be one of those things like, I'll believe it when I see it type things because you're not sure what you're going to get. No, and I think I saw, I'm trying to find it. There's so many things in this article that it's tough to, to catch them all. But I think Kingsbury, in it was either nine or ten years of coaching, I think he's only had an offense not make the top 25 twice. So It wasn't like his first year at Tech? Wasn't that one of the years when he was bouncing back and forth between Mayfield and Webb? That, that could be true. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that would make sense just because, you know, uh, the majority of those years have been at Tech, so one of them would have to be there um but because I, I would think it's not houston no i don't think no not probably not an a&m no and so i think it has to be at tech and i don't know if it's the first one or not because we did go seven and oh but you did have those those two freshman quarterbacks that couldn't figure out which team to throw the ball to or yeah <laughs> you wonder if it's if it was one of, if it was that year or the year that we won four games that <laughs> could could well, have that been either. That happened. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. That was depressing. Um, but yeah, if if this is actually what happens and the the offense does regress that far, um, it I don't might think be difficult be, to watch. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to be super. Gosh, I am last be, year. I am going to be somewhat surprised because we do have some talented athletes and uh, a, an experienced line. A, a good size line too and especially with John's coming in hopefully providing some innovation on how to run the ball and and just get hopefully. some get some yards um, I, I am going to be surprised if it drops to 63 as it's predicted here yeah the other thing so like I said his projected team finish of 47 if the offense drops to 63 it means the defense is up that's the one kind of bright spot of his projection. He's got the defense finishing with an S and P rating of 39. Woo! Which, when you think about, okay, you were 128 for like four, five, six years in a row. Couldn't seem to get worse, and you found out how to do it. <laughs> well, you couldn't get worse in terms of ranking because there was nobody else behind you. But you got worse in like yards and turnovers and all that kind of crap. This year, you were in the 90s. I think so. It's either that or in the 80s. I can't remember. So to make another big jump up um, would be significant because if you think even if we had the 2017 offense with an S&P defense in the 30s, 
you're going to be competing for some games. Um, so with a win projection of, let's say, six games with the defense in the top 40, your offense is going to be needing to find its its role here um, to get you going. I, If the offense really is that bad and the defense is that good, it's going to be so strange to watch tech football. Like being kept in games with the defense but not being able to win them because of the offense. Right. Being being so to the point reverse. where you get – Yeah, it, it, it's going to be so bizarre if we get to the point where it's um, third and three and, you know, the other team has the ball on our 45-yard line and we're like, oh, okay, we got this. We, we're going we're gonna to stop them, no problem. But if it's third and three and we're that team <laughs> – on, on playing offense, we're going to be like, oh, this is well, we can't kick a field goal. We're too far. Um, I don't know. Let's fake it. <laughs> this, yeah. Faking everything. We're going like no punters, no kickers. <laughs> oh, we ran it. We ran it from. Uh, yeah, yeah. We ran a a screen, and uh, they they stuffed it and actually lost a yard. So that's. And then that's we ran great. a draw and lost another yard. <laughs> yeah. Neil Brown. I'm kidding. His offense is actually really good. I know he's doing well. His well offenses now. were get inside the forty and then throw a jump ball to either Eric Ward or Darren Moore, who had ridiculous catch radiuses and catch percentages. Was Lyle Leon there? No, Lyle Leon was already gone because he would have used the heck out of Leon too. Yep. <laughs> and then we would have heard so much more about Taylor Potts and Lyle Leon being teammates since they were in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. Abling High, go Eagles. The other thing, the other part of the shout out other... to uh, to uh, um, oh crap, <laughs> shout out to Hunter. Yeah, there you go. I almost called Hunter it. Cook. I almost called you by your uh, have to bring him back by your Twitter handle, Hunter. That's why I blanked there. I almost called you Kenny Loggins on. <laughs> <laughs> was like one I was of the best to say handles shout out, out to there. Kenny Lo- no, that's not right. That's not right at all. <laughs> so we had kind of mentioned uh, going for it on fourth down every time because our, our kickers suck. A considerable Ooh. portion of the of the article for Bill Connolly t- touched on special teams and said, "This is kind of why Texas Tech struggled last year." These um, are great stats. Go through them. There's, uh, there's so there's so much worse than I thought they were. <laughs> you had three different kickers attempt at least ten point after attempts and three field goals each. Each. <laughs> three different kickers do ten point after attempts. And three field. That's insane. Yep. You think, like, you may have two guys that do that if one guy got hurt. Yeah. You had, you, so you did have one guy get hurt, but then you had three guys do it because nobody could put their toe into a ball. Or, or you may have one guy who just does PATs and one guy who just does field goals. You know, that, that kind of can happen, but even that's not that common. But three, yeah. Next stat, equally appalling. Those kickers combined for 10 of 16 on field goals under 40 yards. And then he makes this point where, okay, 10 of 16 is 63%. He said it should be, I think this is like a baseline, should be 80%. You should be 80% hitting four out of five field goals under 40 yards. You hit 63%. It's bad. It's low. And then I can't read this because it changed the super. Is that one of five? Yeah. For so the field goals over 40 yards, we you went, went one, one of five. five. Yep. 
One. One. Um, <laughs> the other, the last one that's really going to get, like, it's one of those things where you hear, like, no, duh, but. This is the one. Okay, so I think you and I are on the same page. This was the one I really wanted to read. This is the best one. I didn't know it was this bad. Texas Tech went two for nine on field goals in games where they lost the game. Yep. Two of nine. That's that's worse than one out of every three that you attempt you make. That's worse. Yep. Well, I was it that or was it? Well, I, th- I think it's about the same thing that you just said. But what he actually worded it when Tech was losing five of six late in the regular season. So yeah, that, that's the kickers uh, were under- going. The kickers were going two for nine. Yeah. Which is even shorter time span than the entire season. This is like your last six games. We lost five of them. You went two for nine. Yeah, and it was until as you bad finally as you got, remember. <laughs> yeah, you finally got Hatfield back in game 12 of the year. You're like, we can hit a field goal. And then he misses the he first missed, one in the spring game. He missed the first one and you're like, spring game. Yeah, so it was bad. The, the other thing, it, it, this is probably out of order. Um, so Texas Tech is returning 62% of its overall production from 2017 to 2018. One of the reasons why... Your defense is projected to move up into the top 40s. 93% of your production from 2017 is returning, which means that 7% was Mike Thomas. Yes, <laughs> that's the and that only was guy a, you last lost. Yeah, I think 7% is not enough. But uh, well, th- so that, that's not just tackles. That's like his turnovers too. Oh man, that's only 7%. Whereas that's incredible offense, though to be one person on an 11 man squad and you're not even in every play and you affect 7% of the plays basically that's almost 1 11th of a percent or 1 11 (laughs) okay this I I can't say that that 0.09er yeah whatever it is if you divide 1 by 11 or something like that I don't know yeah 0.09 so 9% so he was just under doing his 1 11th (laughs) <laughs> as a defensive tackle, mind you. Yep. So um, you're returning 31% on offense. Scary. Not good. Not cool. Because of, you've got some backup receivers and a running back that played two years ago and a quarterback or two quarterbacks that played in a couple of games. We've got a center coming back. <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> but does it count? Well, he successfully snapped the ball a lot. Um he also successfully was penalized a lot. That's true. That's true. Interesting that he was also named to a preseason award list with like 80 other people. <laughs> Which we also... So we're, we're kind of joking around because this person, this player's mom, is a follower of STP on Facebook and she is a regular commenter. Whenever there is a bad word said about the center or the offensive line in general, she chimes in. And has to protect her baby boy. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm all about they it. Don't falter, I'm be the but same like, way. come on now. I'm gonna be the same way when my little girl's playing center <laughs> at a D1 college. You're like, hey man, those three personal fouls were not his faults. Yeah, she she only held for two Mississippi, and that's <laughs> usually allowed, depending on the day. The other thing I wanted to go into really quickly. I know that we're kind of running up against it in terms of time. He went and did a projection, uh, a prediction for every game. Like I said, quickly go through this game, or this the schedule. Um, first game of the year versus Ole Miss. 
Ole Miss is projected as a S&P Plus ranking of 25, where you are at a 47. His projected margin is minus 7, or I guess plus 7 if you look at the Vegas lines or how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. In turn, so he's picking Ole Miss to win the game by a touchdown. Win probability of 35%. I can't disagree with that. No, Ole Miss worries me. It's worried me from the start. Um, I don't like it game one either. No, I don't like game one. I don't like a neutral site as opposed to if they were in Lubbock. Uh, I don't like that it's an SEC team. You know, they they were down. I read that. I finally. I think I told you this. I finally read that great article about uh, Crooked Letters. Such a great title, too. Oh, man, it is. If y'all haven't read it yet it's on SB Nation just look up Crooked Letters and it goes into the whole thing with the Ole Miss recruiting scandal that and the how Mississippi State was involved either directly or indirectly there's so much drama it just keeps unfolding Um, so anyway I think Ole Miss they they've because of that article it reminded me how well they've recruited again (laughs) They seem out of to nowhere, recovered from that. Yeah, really they've quickly. recovered well. So uh, you know their self-imposed bowl ban or whatever BS they gave themselves last year. I think they're uh, you know they're not going to be a slouch. Nope. So your first home game against Lamar, uh, as an FCS team, he did he does not give them an S and P ranking. Projected margin, as we said, is of fifty points. Win probability of a hundred percent. I don't think there's any more to say about that. Yeah. If, if you that lose this what game, it is. <laughs> you lose this game. Kingsbury's going to go straight from the field to his car, and the airport is going to be on his way out. Yep. You shouldn't lose this game. Possibly voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> Even if Hoka doesn't say anything, I could see him just like, okay, well, guys, it's been good. Uh, False. Well, sort of. <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> uh, toodles. I'm going to go see if someone needs some help. I'm going to go be a, a offensive analyst for Incarnate Word there with Eric Morris. <laughs> Wouldn't no, that just, be a kick in the pants? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eric. Uh, Cliff here. Uh, Kingsbury, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give me a call back. <laughs> I'm, I'm go, on my way. I'm actually in the car. I'm on my way. I'm in the hill country. <laughs> I'm going to go be um, Zach Kitley's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next game, home against Houston. They have a home, uh, S&P projection of 59. Projected margin of about five points. Win probability of 60. This game also scares me. You lose this game, you start the season one and two with a conference schedule where you're like, I don't see a lot of wins coming. If you only have one non-conference win, six wins may be a stretch. I'd say you need to win at least two of your non-conference games if you're expecting to go to a postseason game and or to keep Kingsbury for 2019. I think if if you're one and two coming out of non-conference, you're pretty well, you have a pretty good idea how this is going to go. Next game, at Oklahoma State, who has a projected ranking of 19, margin of minus 10, win probability of 28. Um, minus 10 for an Oklahoma State team that I don't, I don't know a whole bunch about. I didn't read their projection. They are replacing their quarterback. They're replacing their all-world receiver. Um, their freshman running back was phenomenal. He's obviously back. They always seem to have like no name receivers come out of nowhere, or guys that have been there for like eight years show up, and because it feels like what's his name, um, the other big guy, 
that played opposite of James Washington had been there for five or six years, and he's like a sophomore. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. Anyways, minus 10, um, again, like a 10-point game. You were probably projected worse a couple years ago when you lost there by one, um, depending on how your offense finds its itself in game four of the season that could be closer than 10 points. You just haven't won in Stillwater in like a decade or greater. No, it's been greater than that. Like well, haven't even beat Oklahoma State in a decade. Yeah, so 10 points may actually be a big, like an insurmountable number in Stillwater. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be. This next game is really, actually really intriguing. So he's got West Virginia, projected ranking of 43. Um, you're really close to you at 47. This is a home game. Your projected margin for Tech is uh, a two-point win. And with it being so close, win probability is like right around 50%. With all the hype around West Virginia and the quarterback, um, seems like everybody's picking them to do really well on offense. Defense seems to be probably taking a step back. However, their defense has always given you fits. Um a game that should have been close a couple years ago in Lubbock. You got punked before the game started and you got blown out by a team that wasn't that much better than you. This game should be really close. Your defense, like I said, I'm not really concerned about the West Virginia offense. They, Since Geno Smith and uh, Stedman Bailey and the other guy they had, I'm blanking too. Tavon Austin. Since the three of oh, them gosh, came to Lubbock yeah. in 2012, or whatever, I have not been. I'm not concerned about the West Virginia offense. So if your defense is really going to be that good, you've got a shot at this game. But it's again one of those games like with Iowa State, Kansas State. You just can't seem to figure it out. Um. Next game on the road on a Thursday night at TCU. They have a projected ranking of 22. I don't know where that's coming from. Besides everybody coming back and being good or getting better. That's got to be it. I mean, their, their quarterback was so – I mean, he was decent, but he was a true freshman. Fumbled seven times against you. Recovered six of them. <laughs> Dang it. And the one time you recovered it and, like, in We're the red zone, here. you didn't score. <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, that was one of those games where I, I think it was one of the games in a long time the Tex Tech didn't score a touchdown. So on the road, it um, happens against TCU. I remember there was like a twelve, a weird twelve it was nine. Like 12, game. Yeah, twelve nine or twelve three. One of Harold's first or second years. Yeah, two thousand six ish or two thousand five. Yep. Um, so on the road against a team that beats you pretty handily in Lubbock, uh, TCU w- w- winning by ten. Again, it's weird. It, you seem to do better against TCU in Fort Worth outside of that one year where they were really good and you didn't show up to play at all. Um, because outside of that game, you've always won in Fort Worth since they've been in the Big 12. Like their Sometimes first it year, took triple overtime. Those are exciting. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, I'm just, I'm, I'm going back and look at the schedule up until then. So you got one, two, three, four... Tease use your halfway point six games. You are favored to win three of those games. Um, one game you're favored by five. One game you're favored by two. 
if you don't win those games and you're favored, at this point you're one in five. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the season, like it's over. Yeah. And you haven't really over. even gotten like the meat, like the hard part of your schedule yet. No, you kind of you've kind of danced around some some tougher opponents, but you haven't. I mean, you, you've got like the, that that group of second tier teams. Like Oklahoma State is constantly like like on the bubble between second and first tier in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. West Virginia and TCU have kind of bounced around between that middle of the road, or they'll have a, a year where they'll, they'll jump up, or a year where they bounce back down. Um, but like six games in, and if you're not, I mean, if you're at one in five. Game over, man. Ouch. Now, luckily, game seven, you're, you're home Kansas. against Kansas. <laughs> it, it's your get-right game unless you're just completely – unless your mind's gone. They have a projected S&P ranking. I don't know how. It's not any worse, but a projected ranking of 103. You're projected to win this game by more than two touchdowns. Um, unless, like, you have just an epic meltdown – a la Texas <laughs> and yeah. was it 2016 or whatever it was? Yep. You should, th- this is probably your second pencil in a win game on your schedule. Then like if there was any momentum to be had from winning against Kansas, then you travel to Iowa state. Never good. <laughs> Never good. Th- they have a, an S and P projected ranking right in front of you at 46. They are Pick to win by three, which seems generous to Tech <laughs> because of the last two games against Iowa State where I think they've outscored you by 70 or 80 points. Well, granted, most of that was in Ames. So well, okay. That, that makes it worse. <laughs> and, and Not you know, really. You, you never it, was know. Like, it was like 50, it was 56 points. When you, when you lost in Ames, then last year you lost by 30? I think so. Or it was like 42 to 17, that kind of score, something like that, at home. Where you just for were like, not For homecoming it. or something, it was, it was even a, a semi-important social game. 31-13. You lost 31-13. by 28. Yeah. And then, you know, we've they've got... Ugh. The second coming of Bear Bryant heading that team, so there's no telling what they'll what they'll be able to do because it's you know he's hands down the best coach in college football, and <laughs> I, I just funny. I'm just it, he ins, he inspires us he inspires us all. Got a team yeah. to win seven wins, seven games. So I mean he's uh, he's the next big big thing. <laughs> If that wasn't bad enough, like you, you get that one break home against Kansas and between your two road games, and this is after, so that game against uh, TCU is on a Thursday, so you get like a week and a half before you get Kansas on a Saturday. Travel to Iowa State, come back home for two straight weeks of Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> At least they're in Lubbock. That's the yes. only. That's the only thing. But um... there is, even with Kyler Murray being drafted. Apparently he's coming back. He's probably going to be pretty good at quarterback. They never yeah. seem to like do. Like, they never seem to have a problem re- reloading after a quarterback leaves, except for that first year of what's that guy's name from New Mexico? 
that replaced Bradford. Oh, gosh. Landon Landry Jones. Yep. Yeah, his first was... his first year was kind of iffy, where they went like eight and four. <laughs> From Artesia, I think. Yeah. Um, home against Oklahoma, projected rank of nine. Uh, re- projection of minus thirteen. Not too good. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Next week you get Texas projection of 27. Uh, Wind projection, the margin there is minus 3, I think is, again, generous for Tech. I guess this is all kind of hinging on how good the defense is because their top 40 defense is going to be pretty good. And then, I mean, there's just no breaks. (laughs) No. Because you go, like, you get home against Oklahoma and Texas, which you think, okay, that's better than playing them on the road. But then you go to Manhattan, where you haven't won up there since 2008. You were close a couple of times. That sounds right. We were close then, last time. Yeah. And then, it, it was, I think it was closer than probably the score showed because you got that late touchdown, then onside kick, and that late. Yeah. Yeah, we had Hail all those Mary. stops in the third quarter and just couldn't, the, the, couldn't when we're do talking about on. the the offense though the defense keeping the keeping tech in the game that's the game yeah, I go thought. watch I was that like, game <laughs> that's the one we're like you get you up like a, late a hobbled first. Mahomes and and yeah. he, you know he wasn't hundred percent and the defense just kept making these stops and we couldn't do anything yeah so you go from Texas up into Manhattan against Kansas State. They are much lower in the project. The S and P at sixty one, they're still projected to win, probably because it's a home game for them. Less than a point though, so this is like an almost essentially a toss up game. Exactly. Probability at forty nine percent. This last one hurts me the most. Neutral side against Baylor in the season, S and P ranking of fifty. So right again, right around where you are, you are projected to win by less than a point. Point two, <laughs> win probability of fifty one percent. It's hard to see that after kind of how bad Baylor was last year. I think everybody's kind of counting on Charlie Brewer to make a big step, but I don't see it. I think they've somehow managed to recruit well. Um, people are still really happy with Rule and really talking him up. I. It's it's just going to be really depressing if. Of course, may not, maybe not. You know, after going. Two and eight, and you know, losing to Baylor by one, we're probably going to be like, yeah, whatever, okay. But if, <laughs> if if we're like, if we're like five and six, and we have to beat Baylor to go to a bowl game, and we lose by one, then that's just going to be really soul crushing. So if if you look at the projected margins, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you're projected, you're on the negative side of seven of those games. Granted. One, two, three, four of those games are within a, a touchdown. Three of the four are within a field goal, if you can count on getting a field goal. <laughs> um, you're, if you look at the win probabilities, according to Bill Connolly, one, two, three, four, five are greater than 50%. That's including a 51% in there, a 54, a 60. <laughs> If if like if everything plays out and and you win the games, I'm not even exactly how he says, but if you only win those five games, it's going to be a long, 
Well, I, I say long off season. Luckily, Beard and Tadlock have us covered from November to June. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To get us through it, uh, to kind of t- take the pressure off of um, whoever the coach will be in 2019. Although I'm sure he'll get plenty of uh, attention as as a new guy. But yeah, if Tech's not playing in mid December, at least uh, you know they will Tech be without will... a coach. In well, mid-December. and Tech will play Duke in basketball, so that'll be something to look forward to. <laughs> If football's yeah. not playing in mid to late December, um, something I'd like to point out too is, and this was something commonly mentioned, but for good or bad, uh, you know, if if you look at the margins that are pretty much double digits, so that kind of guarantees a win versus Lamar, it you know quote unquote guarantees losses versus Oklahoma State, TCU. Um, Oklahoma, and then it guarantees a win versus Kansas. So that's five games right there where you know you're going to supposedly going to guaranteed to go two and three, and that leaves the other seven just kind of up for grabs. So if that were the case, and you somehow won those other seven, you could come away <laughs> nine and three, right? <laughs> if you win every one of those games, yes. yeah. Yeah, what's why not? No, I don't think that. I don't feel that way at all. But uh, so you're saying it's possible? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. I'm throwing it out there. We could either win two games well, or we could possible win nine. We could win twelve. It, well, possible. Well, we could I mean, win zero. We could win fourteen. <laughs> don't forget. That's true. Just, let's just not. Let's not even leave that out. We could win fourteen, man. So anyway, <laughs> I, I'm sure as 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 the the fall gets closer. We're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to go more into depth in each one of these games. Um, this is one of the many preseason projections and predictions posts that we'll see. Um, Bill Connolly just seems to kind of know his stuff. He's kind of well-respected for his advanced metrics because they seem to be more stable than, well, they should win this game because... It's going to be only 85 degrees and 40% humidity, and the grass yeah. lays down to the right on those days. And Well, you know, historically, <laughs> you know, back in 87 when Texas came to uh, Lubbock, that, uh, yeah, that doesn't matter. No or it'll be exactly 10 years from the when Texas came to Lubbock and you beat them 39-33. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. bound to repeat it. Yeah, there's, 10 a, years, yeah, big there's anniversary. a big, yeah, big swell, big groundswell of emotion on on the field at the Jones that's just been sitting there hovering waiting to be deployed I think that's correct let's see so that game in 2008 was on a on I think a, it was the 5th of November I think it was the 1st was it? Uh, yeah uh. so this year you'll have Oklahoma on November 3rd Texas November 10th oh it's right around that time man 2 right year anniversary yeah man it's it's gotta be it that's, that's got to be it. So that means if that's true, then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We'll be uh, 9 and 0. It's <laughs> quite the run, man. Because we, we, we were, you know, we hadn't lost a game. So we'll be 9 and 0 when we play Texas. Man. Gosh, I'm glad we thought of that. Anyways. <laughs> like I said, we'll, we'll probably have a few more of these projections and predictions posts to kind of break down and look at. As we get closer, um, we'll probably argue with the other ones a little bit more, but this one's pretty good. 
This well, one's kind of this one kind of gets how we feel. Yeah, because it's like it's kind of everybody's feeling like six wins. You would hope you can get to six wins. Um, he's projecting your offense to take a step back, your defense to take another big step forward. Assuming your special teams doesn't f everything up, <clears throat> and you continue to get turnovers on defense, which is a luck thing mostly, because a lot of those turnovers were fumbles. Um, I mean, there were there were a handful of, of interceptions. I get that mostly from Dakota Allen. Yep. And Parker, Justice Parker. Um, yeah, we'll see what else we we what else comes out over the summer. Um, I guess we'll look forward to Big Twelve Media Days here in about five or six weeks. Really, when fall camps start to heat up. Um. Speaking of heating up, though. Oh, boy. Here it is. Here's the My segue. yard. <laughs> my yard has been hating me. One, because, of course, tall fescue is a cool season grass. Not uh, not cultivated for the West Texas desert. Not for not for 106. No. So what happens with, when, when fescue gets stressed out in heat? What, so... As opposed to Bermuda, which I don't like, Bermuda grass really thrives on the heat. It's growing like crazy in my neighborhood and looks like trash. <laughs> and it's also starting to invade into my yard. So like every time I go out there to mow, I have to like rip up all the grass that's trying to grow into my yard for my neighbors. I'm about ready to start like spraying some stuff down on that. Maybe we'll put see. a curb. Can you put a curb down? How much would that cost? Just like a little. I've seen strip. those. I've seen those at some of these older houses around town. There's people that do that. That they have a they have a curb on both sides, where they share a border with somebody. And I'm like, it seems a little much. But if you're really trying to get some grass out of your yard, I guess it could. Well, it work. But the problem with with Bermuda though is it grows by um, stolons. You know those things that grow on the ground on top of the ground. Yeah, yeah. It would just go up and over that. Yeah, it would. Well, you'd have to edge it. You know, it'd at least be a little bit more defined. But it definitely yeah. would go over it. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna be like chemically edging on the sides of my house <laughs> house pretty soon. Anyways, in the front yard um, where everybody sees it, it's actually really thick and nice. There is a spot that goes horizontal. Like if you're look, looking at the house straight on, a spot that goes horizontally across in the middle where I don't think the sprinklers are reaching very well, and I haven't figured out how to do it. That is starting to get stressed out a little bit because if you're familiar with fescue, it's kind of a broad leaf grass when mm. it's healthy. Much more, much more broad than Bermuda. But when it's heat and drought stressed, the the roots and the crown of the plant, like real close to the ground, pull all the water from the the blade of the grass. They pull it back down to protect it. So the grass you see shrivels up, and what happens is it kind of rolls in on itself and what's called needling. So if you if you have if you have a fescue yard and you go out and your grass is all of a sudden not flat and soft but real sharp and pokey need some water this has been a very good vocabulary lesson and we're, and we're yeah. not even done yet needling if your <laughs> fescue yard needles so i've been watering like crazy i've been hand watering um and i've also been adjusting my sprinkler system to help encourage the roots to grow deeper so i'm watering less frequently i'm watering every other day now mm-hmm. what <laughs> and the, the probably the worst time of year to try to do this i'm watering four days a week once a day so I, I like really cut it back. The grass is doing pretty well, except for that one spot in the backyard is just trash. I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do back there. 
I'm less worried about it because nobody else sees it. No, I agree. And, and you can you can ignore it because it's not something you see when you pull up in the driveway too. Yeah. But the Saturday, Saturday morning on my birthday, I spent probably two hours in my front and side yard that you can see pulling weed. So the front and side yards are fairly weed free. Now, there are still some coming back in, but I do have some weed killer in route. <laughs> Had to go with like a, a commercial uh, herbicide supplier company. I'm excited about the getting the, the big boy stuff, not something from Walmart that's watered down. Do you need like a license for this, or are you just maybe? Is this off of <laughs> is this off the black market somewhere? Did you did you get on the dark web? Yeah, I did. did no, it all, it all comes back to <laughs> cryptocurrency. We're back to square one. Back to square one. I know. Um, so I'm going to use that stuff and like really go heavy in the backyard, try to reclaim it. Um, because as a cool season grass that fescue is, the best time to really be pushing it to be growing and everything is is in the fall, actually, because you've got more time for it to cool off and for it to be growing. So planting in the spring... While it was a good idea to hold down the dirt in my yard, not the best time to grow. So as good of results I have from doing it at the wrong time of year, I'm excited to kind of finish off some of my bare spots this fall. Yep. Can you imagine how, I don't know, how hard it would be to keep a yard of dirt for nine months out here if you hadn't planted that grass and, and waited till the fall, kind of like you're supposed to? Well, I could see I I could see it going either way because one you had a hard time getting all the dirt out of your yard. Oh gosh! So yeah. West Texas is trying to give you more dirt, but it's probably it's just recycling it because it'll pull dirt from your yard and blow it off into somebody else's yard, or you'll get a torrential downpour and everything will end up out in the street. Because um, it happened before I, I got grassy down and like the week before it just poured one night and like yeah I think you sent me a picture of that yeah you had like irrigation channels. <laughs> there was like like it was it's funny. When the grass was first growing in, the thickest part of my lawn followed the trail the water carved out in the yard. <laughs> There's like a natural low spot. It's like it knew. Some water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it rains again, well, we're going to get some good <laughs> good water here. <laughs> so on the schedule, probably uh, end of August, September, I'm going to actually hire somebody to come out and aerate my yard because I don't want to... Uh, you, you can rent those machines. I heard they're like, they're fairly difficult to work with. I'm going to hire a professional to do that. And then obviously reseed and really go after the weeds and everything cuz yeah, I'm going to I'm going to dominate the, the the neighborhood. I I did mow tonight front yard looking exquisite. I'm <laughs> lush. Sure Michael. Yeah, yeah. It looks that lush lush yard. Except for the one like there's still a couple spots that aren't growing in because Oh, right at the yeah. He's showing me a picture right now. Right. And of course, the, the the my truck is casting a really dark shadow on the picture, but the yard is. Yeah, what's going on by the driveway? I wonder why that's. I don't know if like if the sprinklers aren't reaching it very well or what. Yeah. But everything else looks. I mean, it looks great. That's not a very big patch, though. Hey, come on now. No, 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 no. I mean, it's not a. No, that's not. Oh, a you're big talking patch. about the dry spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was being. I was being nice. No, it, it's not that bad. It's yeah, not the dry bad. spot's not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we have a fairly small yard. I mean, we have total almost 3,000 square feet. Mm. So it's, it's pretty small. Um, I do have something to contribute to going yard this week. Oh, here we go. Okay. What do you, what do you have, Michael? Uh, it's, it's completely... <laughs> 
completely not as in depth. Let's see. I'm I mowed Thursday night. Thursday Ooh, evening. you can get in the the weeknight lawn work going. I got the week. Yeah, I usually because don't. I'm, I'm usually a weekend guy. Well, as as the summer as the growing season for Bermuda, if you cut it right, which is supposed to be really low, because Bermuda loves the heat and it loves to be cut low. Um, if you're if, if you're watering and you're cutting low, you should be cutting Bermuda like every three or four days. Yeah, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mow every two weeks, maybe. Um, That's bad. You should at least every week. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and as long as you're also not mowing really high, because like Bermuda, if you let it get like real long and don't mow for like, it'll get real, it'll get tall, but it gets real thin too. It's really yeah. ugly. No, I usually don't. Mine doesn't tend to get, it kind of just quits at a certain point. And so usually I mow really about every two weeks just because it's so hot and I'm so busy and have other things going. Well, and Bermuda, like it'll, it'll grow up to a certain height and then it'll, it'll produce all those seed heads. Yeah. So your, your, your lawn will go from green to white because all the seed heads are on top. Yeah. That's kind of where, that's kind of where I get to. And then, and then I'll wait a few more days and I'm like, I guess I should mow. But that wasn't even what I was going to talk about. Well, no, I, was... I, I will say there were a few seed heads in my yard because it had been so long since I mowed. Go on. <laughs> no, seed heads are good, right? Because it reseeds the yard and you water it. And Anyway, um, the reason I, I was... All I was going to contribute was this. And it sounds like a tangent because it kind of is. Uh, usually when I mow, I, it's, it's during... It's usually in the morning or you know mid afternoon or late afternoon or something so the sun's out pretty good and so me being a very bald man with a shaved head i wear a uh you know like a sun hat like it's a panama jack one that i found on sale somewhere anyway so with this being like i didn't start till after s- close to eight i didn't start till seven thirty ish and the sun was about down so i just wore a cap for the first time in forever to mow the lawn. So I I grew up, my dad was a world class, class like Hall of Fame sweater. <laughs> we, he, he would, you know, it happened, there was so many times that he would, he wore a cap, that was his thing, was, was a cap. And there were so many times that he would sweat so much that it would, it would drip off his bill. Oh, that's like a it lot. Would, <laughs> it would completely soak the bill and drip off of it. And I always thought that was so crazy. And, you know, maybe once or twice in my life it had happened before. And usually it was like extraordinary circumstances. But anyway, for whatever reason, on this nice, cool uh, Thursday evening in Lubbock, I wore a cap and I completely sweated out the bill to where when I was at, at, I was at the end of it, I didn't even know I'd done it. I was at the end of the... Uh, mowing and stuff and I was messing with my phone because I had a podcast going I wanted to turn it off so I was looking down and just started dripping <laughs> on my phone I was like oh man I, it's like I don't I didn't even feel like I sweated that much but uh, I discovered that I too have that ability now and I don't know if it's just being being a dad that that just kind of I, I already was I, I probably wasn't Hall of Fame sweater but I was in the you know I was in the top top 50 um, but I was already there because dad always called it the curse. He's like, son, I'm afraid you've got the curse. <laughs> and and he's right. I totally do. But I still wasn't, 
uh, I wasn't expecting to lean down and then just see drops <laughs> coming off of my cap. <laughs> so that was it. That was uh, that was my going yard story of the week. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I will encourage you to mow more often than once every two weeks. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll try. Like, I'll try. Because it responds really well to cutting more often. It'll, it does. It'll, it'll get I, thicker, which is that, good. That could be why the guy's yard across the street looks so well. Because they have, they're the people that they show up and they, you know, there's like a three or four person team and they're gone while I'm home for lunch. <laughs> it takes me an hour and a half minimum to do what they do in like 25 minutes. And it's just so depressing. And, and his their yard looks great. So I think that could be it because they actually do mow it more than once every week. Two yeah. weeks. So, <laughs> I, when you think about doing like having a yard service, one of the things everybody thinks about like one, yeah, they're gonna mow, but like they're gonna also put all this kind of fertilizer. Yeah. The biggest, no, the biggest thing though that helps lawns is water and consistent mowing. Like, like if, if even if, if you did it once a week, if it was once every week, like every Saturday, yeah, your lawn kind of like gets into that routine. Like, okay, it grows like at a certain rate. You cut it, it grows a certain rate, but like. Once every three days, once every two weeks, it's gonna be like, "What am I doing? <laughs> I'm new. I don't know what to do." Okay, well, I, I, I should take your advice. I don't know if I will, but I should. <laughs> well, like at least at least mow. I, you don't have to like you know edge and and trim every time you mow. Ah, uh, that's what that's what takes the longest. I know. Mowing Which is, is funny because I, I don't like tonight was the first time I actually used the trimmer around that like the, the edge of our flower bed and our houses. I hadn't done it yet. Today it like took considerably longer because I had to like go put gas in the trimmer, re- replace all this the the strings on it. Yep. Fired up for the first time in like three years almost. <laughs> yep. Those are hard to start anyway. Yeah. So everybody, for what we learned this week, there you go. You probably have Bermuda. Cut it every three to four days during the summer while it's growing. <sighs> That's just too much. That's too much mowing. Well, it, it only it only grows really really fast like this in the summer when it's really hot. No, which is unfortunate because you have to be outside in the heat. But when it starts to cool off, it won't grow as fast. And obviously, that first freeze, it's going to go dormant. And it'll stay dormant from then all the way until about like May, mid-May. Yeah, which is wonderful because... After that first freeze, you you mow the edge, and that's it. You're done. Uh, oh, and just just so to so you're aware, the last time I edged the yard, because you know I've got the edger that goes along the sidewalk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just from the sand that was there. I've, I filled. It filled and this in was, your your edge. I, well, I filled a uh, I filled just one five gallon bucket chock full of sand just from edging my yard it was so that that's there's a good 70 pounds of sand and there was actually a post hole that had kind of eroded away on my fence and i i I dumped it in there and then there's i dumped as much sand as i could fit in there to kind of plug that hole and then uh did you water it in no there was yeah i did because the sprinklers were in the next day and it you can't even tell i did it now and then the uh, the ruts, there's some pretty deep ruts in the alley from the garbage truck. And so I dumped the rest of it in the ruts. <laughs> so that, that's that's what I'm going to do. From now on, when I get, when I get like, you know, several pounds of sand from uh, just edging my yard, I'm going to dump it in the ruts in the alley. And I feel like I'm, I'm helping. I'm helping infrastructure. One more thing before we move on from this and close up the episode. 
I hadn't noticed this until my wife took out the trash when I was in Dallas last week. The little bit of strip of land that technically ours, but I didn't plant any grass back there because I'm not going to mow in the alley. Right. We have weeds in the alley nearly the height of the fence. You've got got to be kidding. Like, she she told me about this because she couldn't get the gate open to to take the trash out. I was like, no, that's not true. Drove by the night when we went to go pick up our mail because, of course, we don't have a mailbox at our house. We have, like, a community mailbox 14 miles away. Not really that far. (laughs) Another point I want to bring up is on Facebook. Anyways, I saw it. I was like, wow, that's a lot of weeds. I'm, like, probably going to go buy some Roundup and just... Yeah, that's what I do. That's my last like, house. There's I no point in like in, in trying to cut it down with a mower or the weed eater. I'm not going to pull it. I'm not trying to preserve any grass back there. So I'm just going to just going to drown it and round it. Like you all suck. Die. Yeah, at at the most, I would um, I would at least I would chop it down when because my back alley at the old house got it would get really bad and, and it was it was the same way because I got to where I was taking the trash out at night. And you know, I have to go do that here in a few minutes. So. Yeah, you know, it's it's go dark, and it. you get out there, and you're like, man, it seems kind of tall. And then one day you go out there during the day, and you're just almost embarrassed, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So yeah. I have taken a garden hoe out there and then raked it up, just because there was so much. That's too much effort, man. It, it, it is. It is a lot of effort. But I got I got a citation once at the old house, and it was so ridiculous. I took pictures of it. I was ready to fight it and all this other stuff, but they didn't actually ask money from me. They just, you know, it was like a warning because my weeds were, they, yeah, there were some weeds, but they were not, anyway, you know, anything above nine inches, they can give you a citation for. Well, I think I had a couple of weeds, 11 <laughs> inches. I've so, got a few, like five or six feet. Yeah, I know. And that would I'll happen take a picture sometimes. For you when I go take the trash out. Yeah, I would like to the see The other it. thing, which I think has probably helped me not get a citation at this point, is our gauges for everything, except for, I think, water, are on the side of the house in the front. It's like nobody okay. from the city is going back there except for trash. And I think they have to read the water meter back there. Yeah. So I'm surprised they could still get to it if it's really that tall. But anyways, one more thing. I, I thought about this when I was talking about it. Uh, talking about something else. I got a letter this week. I don't know if you and I are friends on Facebook, Michael, but I, I commented I s- about it. I saw a post, but I didn't get to dive into it. So what was going on? It was a little, little bit long, so I was, I, was on a, I was on a soapbox. When we bought the house, they, they they told us, hey, we have plans to kind of put the the neighborhood into a public improvement district. It'll raise your taxes just a little bit, help us build some parks, and really kind of finish out the neighborhood. I was like, great, whatever. That sounds fine. Um, we got the letter that said, hey, we're proposing this public improvement district for your neighborhood. Here's the boundaries. Here's what we're going to do. On the back side of the letter, they had a balance sheet and said, here's what we're planning on doing, and here's how much it's going to cost. It was like somewhere around $200,000. I don't know enough about parks and everything to say if that's true, true it's going to cost. I'm like, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. What, got, what got me was over the five years, they're going to collect more than $500,000 from us in, t- in taxes. Like, if it's going to cost you $200,000 to put these parks in, what are you going to do with the extra $300,000 you're going to take from us? And oh it said, gosh. in kind of small letters, to be held in cash reserves is like, what does that mean? For Why do what? I want to give the city $300,000? Are you in city limits? Yes, barely. Barely? Okay. So y'all are pro- probably part of the one of the latest sets of annexations, I guess. Probably. I was like, are you serious, though? 
$300,000. Yeah, that's a lot to just be sitting it's, there. It's probably how we're going to pay for, you know, uh, tearing down the um, the Coliseum. <laughs> it's going to be coming from our neighborhood. Well, thanks, well, man. Well, no, because no, I, I guess that went back to tech. Yeah. Yeah, I think tech's going to be saddled with tearing it down. Shoot. But th- they would take maybe donations. Go back into the, maybe go back into the city building that they're doing or that building they gutted downtown that looks like trash. You can just yeah, like, Citizens see right Tower. Through. Yeah, it's you can see go right back through to right Citizens now. Tower, yeah. Well, they're going to get $300,000 from us, poor saps. And so they have a public meeting for this on Thursday. I was like, crap, I'm not going to be I'm not gonna be here. So we're going back to Dallas on Wednesday night, tomorrow night. I was like, if I was here, I'd be at that meeting be like, excuse me, miss? Um, what's this cash reserves of $300,000? What are you going to do with that money? You going to return it to us? Because I, no, you're not going to do that. How do they collect it? Do they just give you a bill? And they're going like to add the to our, our, our property taxes. Yeah. Oh, property taxes. They're going to tax at 12 cents per $100 of property value. So, which, oh. okay, on, on a $100,000 you know, property value, which none of our houses are, are only $100,000, it's like 120 bucks. So it's not much. Okay, that's I think, true. I think ours will go up $180 maybe. Okay, so it's not, it's not, it's, it's more just about the fact that why do you need more than double what you said this was going to cost? Like, are you already planning to go over budget? <laughs> yeah. Or are you just trying? Are you hoping that nobody notices and you'll just collect three hundred extra thousand dollars? Yeah. Are you going to develop another neighborhood that we won't live in? I, I don't know. That that's crazy. Sounds, that sounds weird. If if it's on that, we have that sad city channel or whatever. Do, what time is it? Because I'll see if I can TiVo it or something. I'll have to go back and look at the letter. It's Thursday night, like Thursday evening. Okay. I'll see if I can TiVo it for you, just in case. I would actually you might love need to, to see, see that. <laughs> like to see like anybody shows up and or just like passes unanimously and like no yeah, objections not a word. are raised. <laughs> so dumb. All right. We went entirely too long. It happens. We hadn't talked in like three weeks. I know. We just kind of like just had it built up, I guess. Um, the other thing, finally, I, I know I kept saying one more thing. I do think Michael and I are going to have a a fantasy draft for this college football season. I think the two of us are going to go head-to-head for Big 12. I think we're going to draft a, a Big 12-only team. Um, we'll do that here on the show one night here in a six weeks or so, probably right before the season starts, once probably once we get a little bit more of a better feel about who else is in the conference besides Texas Tech. And who's still <laughs> on the team. Yeah, because, like, it's sad. I know of like the starting quarterback, or I know of quarterbacks for Tech, and I know of Kyler Murray, and I guess Charlie Brewer. Since I mentioned, it, but like I couldn't tell you who's, who's going to play quarterback at Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia is that guy that everybody loves. Will Greer. Oh Texas, yeah. is it Bouchel still or the other guy? See, I don't know. TCU, Sean Roberts. See, I don't. I can't even. Okay, that's quarterback though. But like, we would we would also draft running backs and receivers and pick our, our defenses. It's gonna be good. We'll, we'll yeah. have that. We'll have a, a fantasy draft on the show. I think a good time to pick that. We'll be able to follow that throughout the season. See how we do. Um. And then obviously go into some preseason projections for the games and break that down a little bit more so than what we did tonight. Um. 
Anything else you're looking forward to this the rest of the summer, Michael? Uh, well, our next episode is the 23rd episode, and we 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 have something huge in the works. I'm we do totally making that up, but we could possibly have something huge in the works for that. And I w- I wanted to know a little bit more about. Um, you mentioned a fantasy things draft that sounded kind of intriguing that we so might do. I, I I kind of brought this up with the Stake in the Plains group last summer or maybe the year before because it's it's the guys that do the solid verbal podcast uh dan rubenstein and ty hildebrandt both with sb nation um they do a fantasy things draft where they look at certain storylines or something that happens and you just kind of you you draft a scenario and kind of track that for the season what's gonna be a little more harder a little more difficult to do but we kind of threw this out couple years ago maybe at the time it was like mentions of chip kelly coming back to college (laughs) and um times you see some like a student in a white lab coat for a university commercial um or mentions of the strength and conditioning staff on on your team or how many how many um coaching analyst positions does the sec have or how is the new headset rule going to affect Gus Malzahn and Auburn? <laughs> Stuff like that. I, I, so, you know, as you were saying that, I thought of one, and I'm writing it down so I don't forget it, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay, good. Because it's a good one. So that that would possibly be a second dr- fantasy draft that we would do. It would be a fantasy things draft. And this is a straight ripoff of the solid verbal. So. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Not doing anything new, except for probably coming up with our own topics or whatever to draft. Um, the interesting that they do it, they do it at a live show. So they, they do a, a weekly podcast, but they do a one annual show where they do have a live audience, like a big bar or something. They're going to do it this year in Chicago, and they haven't found a, a venue yet. But I think because you told me about that last year, I listened to that, because I'm, I'm vaguely remembering these details. Yep. Of it, and I think the Chip Kelly one was was on that one. Uh, I can't remember any of them, but I remember it this year. Yeah, and it was <laughs> definitely a live, a live audience and stuff. It it was pretty fun. So yeah, we might be able to, we sh- we should be able to pull that off some sort of that. I wish we could also do a live show because that that could be pretty cool. But I don't think anybody would show up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be the two of us at like Cap Rock and re- we record live there. But maybe one of our wives have- would be there. We'd probably have people saying, "Shut up! I'm trying to eat." <laughs> yeah. I can't hear the I can't hear the game. The Rangers are losing seven to three. I need to. Hey, they, they went the like a little win streak recently. Oh, they did. They won like seven or eight games in a row. Oh, that can't be true. And then lost one, and then won like another two games. Nah, nah, that that can't. No, be right. what's happening is like the talks about trading Chu and Beltrair coming up. So like they're going to do really good now. To either have John Daniels hold on to them longer, like oh, we can be, we can be competitive this year. Look, look how good we're doing. Hopefully, what's going to happen is it's going to drive their value up. We get right. more stuff when we trade them. Yeah, then they're still going to be traded either way. Hope so. Anyways, lots of good stuff coming up this summer. Even as we're without tech athletics, um, we may or may not record next week with the holiday week. If not, everybody responsibly enjoy. Your Independence Day, 4th of July here in the good old U.S. of A. It's an old man way of saying that. I love it. It's possibly my favorite holiday. I love it so much. 
We're probably so going to go to McKinsey to watch the fireworks. Yeah, I'm not sure what we'll do on the fireworks. We, we talked about, we, we went to Wolferth. They have one, and it's usually on like the 5th or something. They have theirs on a different day. And it's just easier to get in and out of. We've, it's pretty good, too. And wasn't there issues last year with like weather where like it got delayed and yeah, know, like a week later it was like I guess we can do it now and like nobody showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. It was a Rager Dykes deal, and um, we actually went to the Randy Rogers concert. We drove up there, and then we didn't get out of the car, and then they ended up canceling it because it was lightning and practically a haboob blew in. It was nuts. It was like a big wall of <laughs> dust and. You know, it was lightning, thundering, raining, you name it. And they, and then the Randy Rogers concert got uh, postponed till December and they had it at the Coliseum at the fairgrounds. <laughs> so, yeah, Good nobody stuff. got their money back, I don't think. I, anyway, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, we got plenty of stuff going on and we'll, we'll be a little bit better keeping everybody apprised of what's happening on the, on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, if you haven't yet, it, I would appreciate you liking, commenting, reviewing, subscribing, all that kind of stuff on iTunes and Google. We do have a Facebook page that's pretty barren right now. I think we have 11 people following it. Thanks, family. <laughs> yeah. Good job, everybody. <laughs> um, if you want to head over there, I, we're going to definitely pick up uh, a little bit later this summer in the fall. Be a little more engaging there for, for football. Getting ready because I think we'll we'll move to two two shows a week in the fall. Excited for that. New format. A little bit. We're gonna do <laughs> post game shows and then our weekly preview and fantasy wrap up for that week. It'll be good. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. We will probably hit uh, a a big landmark here in terms of downloads and listens. I think we'll hit five thousand this week. Dang. Not bad for a little startup podcast for. Texas Tech Athletics out here in the desert. Yeah, especially considering we've only spent like seven or eight grand on advertising. That's pretty good. If only that were true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We haven't spent any money. No. <laughs> well, except for hosting, and that's that's good. That was more just because we wanted to have a stable platform, and we do. Yep. Works well. It does. Thanks, Podbean. All right. <laughs> I think we've tried to like end this episode for 10 or 12 minutes now. Um, for Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us on the 23 personnel podcast.